All right, let's let's crack into politics. So, yeah, as I said a moment or two ago, that there's a slight jittery feeling as we every day watch the case numbers in the one o'clock press conference. And should we be concerned that those case numbers have gone up? And and I understand the explanations about large families and Delta means that large families are all going to get it. Um, does it mean things change for the alert level decision this week? All those sorts of things we're going to talk about right now with Michael Plank, who's a COVID-19 modeler and he is a professor of mathematics and statistics at the University of Canterbury. Michael, thank you so much for your time. Sure. G'day, Michael. Um, now we, we had a few low days case, cases of uh, days of low cases, but in the last couple of days, um, increased numbers. Why the sudden spike? Yeah, I mean, we, we do expect case numbers to, to bounce around um, from day to day, so they will fluctuate. Um, you know, it can be that uh, the, the, with the Delta variant, it infects the majority of people in a household, and we think large households involved in this outbreak. So. You know, it could just be a couple of households contributing to, to, to those large numbers uh, and it may be lower again the next day and then back up again. But, it, I mean, it is it is clear that we are still seeing some transmission between households that's proving difficult to stamp out. And so that is, um, you know, that, that, that's where it is concerning. Just on the numbers themselves, uh, and then how, are you, how concerned are you, uh, given we're one day away from a, a, an announcement? Um, yeah, look, it, it, I mean, it is it is concerning that um, that we're still seeing the amount of spread um, and that it is moving between households. I think, uh, you know, the, the overall the cluster is very well contained and the majority of those transmission chains have been stamped out. But it's proving difficult to ring fence those those last few um, bits and pieces. So it, it is going to be a really tough decision tomorrow. How much do the unlinked cases affect your modelling? Um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly when, when we see cases coming in, um, it, that, that is, of course, the concern. Um, you know, you'd much rather be finding cases um, and, and having them already in isolation by the time they test positive um, rather than cases coming to you or cases coming in because they're feeling unwell um, and seeking a test. So, you know, e- even if they can establish that link afterwards, it's, that's good, but it's, it's all concerning that we have those cases um, out there infectious in the community. So you've got the unlinked cases, but then we've also got the reports of random cases. So we had a few last week. We've had the odd one from Middlemore where people have gone in for unrelated issues and been randomly te- sort of tested, uh, and they've turned out to be positive. And more recently, the, the person who's uh, now a prisoner who was um, you know wandering around the Firth of Thames tested as a matter of course and found to be positive. How do these relate to trying to model what's out there? Uh, yeah, I mean, these sorts of things definitely show that, um, you know, the outbreak isn't completely contained um, when, when you have cases like that becoming symptomatic and then sort of just randomly being tested. Um, you know, obviously they're not in isolation um, and they have the potential to infect other people in the community. Um, it's very difficult to model <laughs> that level of detail. And when we get down to small cases like this, it's more about the details of individual cases, you know, how many contacts they've had, um, how long they've been infectious whilst in the community. Those sorts of individual details really matter. And that that will be what the um, officials will be looking at in the decision tomorrow. Do you think then that that possibly one more week at level four should be the goer? Um, Yeah, as I say, it's a really tough decision. You know, five weeks is a long time in, in strict lockdown. Um, but I think, you know, if, if we did, if Auckland did move to level three, it would be calculated risk. Um, and there would be a risk that 
that spread between households that we're seeing gets even harder to, to ring fence. And so that could lead to cases um, you know, climbing back up again. So um, it, it would be a risky move. How much of a difference do we see in terms of what the models, uh, how you would adjust your modelling when it comes to level three? What difference do you think it will make? Um, are they, yeah, how does that work when, you, when it comes to you making your call on that sort of thing? Yeah, again, it's um, it's a bit of an unknown because uh, you know we've got the Delta variant now, and um, we haven't really seen um, a level three situation with the Delta variant. Previously, we we did see that um, transmission was higher at level three than at level four. Um, it was maybe fifty percent higher. Um, so if, if you know if we saw that again, that um, would you know potentially put us right on the edge of where we might see. Um, a, a continued increase in the number of cases with with level three. So, I mean, I would say there's quite a bit of uncertainty there, um, but but uh, it would depend on the extent to which the contact tracers have got people in isolation um, and the extent to which there are cases out in the community that haven't been found yet. Prior to the last two days' case numbers, so 24 today, 20 yesterday, we'd had four days in a row, I believe, where the case numbers had dropped, and, and 15, 14, 13, that was the trend. Were you expecting it to get to single digits fairly soon, and are you still expecting it to get to single digits? Oh, look, I think, we're, like everyone, we were certainly hoping it would. But, um, you know, as I said, we, did, we do expect the numbers to fluctuate, um, and the outbreak isn't always going to go in a straight line. Um, it's going, it will bounce around, and it'll do that, whether it's going up or... Oh, I think... So, certainly, uh, you know, I, I have oh. single digits. I think that possible um, uh, but yeah we just have to really um, see how it pans out over the next week uh, actually we just you just dropped out a couple of times there Michael so if you've moved positions and uh, your original one was an excellent one but I'll, I'll continue with the next question um, so we've we know what the, we have a, a pretty good idea what the rules of level three would be but when you're when you are considering modeling and, and trying to work, work out how it's going to play out how how much do you actually look at the rules in a strict sense versus looking at the rules in terms of how we might react to level three? Put it in another way, I reckon that if we move to level three, then it'll be like the gloves have come off in Auckland and everyone's going to go a little bit crazy. Can you take that into account when it comes to modelling the effects of level three? Uh, yes, sorry, I, uh, it's a bit of a bad line. I missed the first part of your question, but I, I caught the end, um, the end there. So, yeah, certainly th th there is a risk of that. Um, lockdown fatigue, you know, I think um, it is hard for people to continue in lockdown. Mm. Oh, we're just losing you there, Michael. Um, let's, let's see if we can try and try and get you back. Are you there, Michael? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, that sounds better. I, I, I think that's a firmer line. So, so okay. carry on with your line of thought there. Uh, yes, I was just saying that. Um, yeah, I mean, that there's certainly risk um, that uh, that dropping down an alert level just encourages more people to go out and about. And of course, we know that the number of people um, out in a, you know classified as um, being able to go out and be in the workplace is a lot higher. Um, so there's certainly a risk that moving to level three would. Um, allow increased spread between people via via essential workplaces. Does this mean that it's unlikely that we'll get to zero cases ever again? Uh, no, not necessarily. I think, you know, it's still possible that, um, you know, if we if we sort of continue uh, with, with the approach that we've had and our contact tracing system continues to do its fantastic work, I think there is still every chance that we, you know, we can eliminate this outbreak. But, um, you know, it's, it's tough and it's not guaranteed. 
And now, just moving ahead to the vaccination rates, what is what is uh, what do the models say around vaccination rates of say eighty or ninety percent in terms of uh, transmission and 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 its effect on on the Delta variant? Yeah, so uh, I think at eighty percent, um, we'd still be quite vulnerable actually to big outbreaks, um, large numbers of hospitalisations, potentially tens of thousands, um, and potentially thousands of, of deaths. Um, if we can get into the 90s, um, we'll be looking a lot better and we'll have more options. It, it, you know, there is no mad number. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's important to try and get as close as possible to 100%. And the higher we get, the, you know, the smaller outbreaks will be, the easier they will be to control and the less risk we'll have um, of, of filling up our hospitals. And, and when we're talking about those numbers, is that of all eligible people or is that the overall population? So that, that's the eligible population, which is currently um, obviously people over 12. Um, but that said, you know, if we do open up uh, when under 12s are unvaccinated, um, it's quite likely that we'll see outbreaks going through schools. Um, and although children, young children are at low risk of getting severely ill with COVID, uh, they can still suffer from things like long COVID, um, you know, other rare, rare um, consequences and just very disrupted um school environment if you're having schools with 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 large outbreaks so i think we you know we do need to continue to look at the data um as it comes in for um, younger children um and hopefully eventually we will be able in you know be in a position to approve the vaccine in those younger age groups as well because that will increase our overall level of protection but also importantly it could um, provide um, important protection for um, children Michael Blank, we've got to wrap up one last very, very quick question. How optimistic are you that Auckland, not just about level three, but next month, for example, could be in a version of level two? Uh, it's it's tough. It's really tough to say. Um, it, it could go either way, I think. Um, you know, we, we could, if things go well, we could still eliminate this outbreak um, and, and then be in a position to move down the alert levels. Um, but there is a risk if we move to a level three, there is a risk that the numbers could climb and that could potentially see us in, you know, in restrictions for a longer period of time. All right. Thank you so much for making the time for us on the program today. That's Michael Plank. He's a COVID-19 modeler and he is a professor of mathematics and statistics at the University of Canterbury. It is 20 minutes past three. We're going to open up the phone lines now on 0800 80 10 80. You can text on 9292. And wherever you are in the country, because this, this impacts the whole country, as much as we might think that, OK, outside of Auckland is level two, um, so things are, are mostly hunky-dory um, and a very different situation if you're in Auckland at level four. But Auckland's alert level shifts does increase the risk to the rest of the country. So it also, in a, in a more positive spin, it increases the chance of the rest of the country being able to move to level one if level three in Auckland goes well. So here's the simple question for you. Should Auckland move to level three this week despite a slight rise in the case numbers? 0800 80 10 80. Text on 9292. We'll take some calls next. It's 20 past three.